Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. The John of All Trades Podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we we speak. speak. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, made it. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 191. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, acting. How did you do that? Acting. Brilliant. That's right. I've got Sandra Murphy. She is a voiceover artist. She goes by the name Voice Mama. And she reached out to me in advance of my appearance at the Colorado Independent Publishers Association thing that I did a couple of weeks ago. She saw I was appearing on the panel. She said, hey, have you had anyone who does voiceover? And I thought... Yeah, I have. Reed Saunders, who is the public address announcer for the Colorado Rockies. By the way, the Rockies, as I record this, are in first place in the National League West. By the time this goes up, hopefully they have won the division. I don't know. We'll find out. Baseball playoffs, very exciting. So I've had Reed Saunders. We talked about vocal technique there. We talked about his sort of milieu of how he uses his voice professionally. And I've also had Mike Santos who is an audio technician, an audio producer, and a voiceover artist. He's living in Australia right now. Shout out to you, Mikey. He is the voice that you hear at the beginning of this episode. He's the one who says, coming to you from the X-axis, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. That's Mikey. So, talked about it with him. I didn't mention him in this episode because I had forgotten and I'm a putz. But, Sandra Murphy, she does all sorts of voiceover, whether it's commercials whether it's e-learning courses, and most notably, audiobooks. And I never talked about audiobooks on this show, and Sandra gives a great, great insider's view of what it's like to record an audiobook. This is a little bit like Inside the Actor's Studio, except I'm not kind of a pretentious wank like James Lipton, although your mileage may vary. Maybe you think I am. But it was great getting to talk to her about how she does what she does. And I've had people say to me, you know, I think I have a good voice. I'd like to get into some voiceover work. Well, this is your episode to find out if that's actually for you. Because there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just having a great voice. I mean, that's part of it. That's great. You have a good instrument. But it's also acting. It really is. Even what I'm doing right now. If you could see me, I'm walking around my house. I'm gesticulating. I am affecting a persona. This is the John X persona. This welcomes you to the show. This is the first thing that you hear before we get into the episode. And if I'm not excited about it, you're certainly not going to be excited about it either. So we talk about how she gets into character, how she differentiates characters in an audiobook, the tools she uses. There's a lot in this episode, and I'm thrilled to pieces to bring it to you. Sandra Murphy, the voice mama, is coming up here in just a second. I'd like to give a plug for our sponsor, Four Degrees. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. You've heard me talk about them on this show plenty. But since we're in the thick of campaign season, and I know they are up to their eyeballs and work, I'd just like to note that if you were doing anything online, if you were building some sort of campaign, whether it's for a candidate or a product or a service or just something you want people to see, maybe it's an issue, maybe it's a cause, Four Degrees can build that community for you. They will get your messaging right. So it's important to have the right message, first of all, and then they will get it in front of the audiences that will move the needle in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. So that means social media marketing. That means online advertising. That means optimization. That means getting a good website. They can do all of those things for you all under the same roof, and they will do it for a cost that is very, very affordable, very reasonable. There's no one better out there than four degrees. So hit them up. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. 
also like to give a quick shout to the Denver Podcast Network. The John of All Trades Podcast is a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network. And check out our shows. We have an amazing lineup of shows. You go to denverpodcast.net and you'll find something you like. So check out a new show, denverpodcast.net. Now then, let's get to episode 191 of the podcast. Sandra Murphy is the voice mama. She's a voiceover artist. She does commercials, e-learning, and audiobooks. And her episode starts right now. Yesterday, we did nothing as a family, and it was absolutely wonderful. That sounds delightful. How big is your family? Four. There are four of us. Okay. So two kids? Yeah. How old are they? Uh, eight and nine. Eight and nine. All right. So how far apart then? Uh, 19 months. Okay. Because yeah. my kids are 20 months apart. <laughs> yeah. You, so yeah, I know yep, it. You know. <laughs> I know how it goes. Uh, yeah. it's, it's intense. What's it like once they get that age? Because mine are two and a half. Okay. Or two and almost four. You just need the two-year-old one more year, and you're golden. Really? Yeah. Like, once they hit three, okay. and you're not watching them like a hawk, it's, like, the most beautiful <laughs> thing and the kindest gift you could have ever done to yourself. And so they'll always, like, like the same thing, or they'll be interested in the same things, and so it's beautiful. Okay. It's it's a it's wonderful. So, Sandra Murphy, you yes. are the voice mama. Yes. And uh, it's uh, you reached out to me, which is always a pleasure. And I think people are hesitant to do that because it's like, oh, well, what am I going to talk about? And the fact that you just you saw me uh, presenting at the Colorado Independent Publishers thing, you go, hey, uh, I do this. Is this of interest to you? And I go, hell yeah, it is. Well, most people just don't know what a voiceover artist does or what voiceover right. is. And so I figured, well... What are the odds he's interviewed another, you know, voiceover artist? Right. And I told you when we were exchanging emails, the closest is probably Reed Saunders, who does public address for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not voiceover, but it, it is. I mean, he's doing voice work. Yes. And, it is voiceover. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just another just another form of it. It's just a different sort of milieu. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about that, but that was early on in the show. That was like three, four years ago at this point. So uh, it's cool that we get to revisit it. Give me the spiel for a voiceover artist. So What we do? Yeah. Okay. You are doing voiceover right now. <laughs> <laughs> so voiceover is anytime you hear the actor, but you do not see them. Okay. So when I meet people on the street, I often tell them car commercials because oh. you usually see the car. You don't – I mean, you see the car. You don't hear – you know, see the, the actor who's voicing the ad. Right. So that is anytime. So it includes announcers. It includes podcasts. It includes radio commercials, e-learning, audiobooks. Yes. So there's a a wide variety of things that are voiceover. Um, But that's pretty much, in a nutshell, what it is. When you hear an actor but you do not see them, that is voiceover. And how did you get into this? (laughs) Interesting story. Um, I have two little girls, and my husband's like, why don't you go take a class in voiceover? Now, he has this amazing, gorgeous voice. Oh, like a real sexy baritone? I love it, yes. (laughs) Um, Got me for sure. But anyways, he's like, go take a, you know, go take a class in voiceover. And I'm like, really? You know, you you never like your own voice. Most people don't. Most people don't. Especially on this show, because they're like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. Right. And I go, listen to it. You'll be fine. Right. So I went to the classics fully expecting, oh, great, this is just a six-week, you know, once-a-week class away from my kids, and they'll tell me I don't have the snack for it, and, and it'll be <laughs> fine, and still, it's still a win, you know? Sure. And I was the only person that the professor said, uh, you could be working tomorrow. Wow. Um, and it really comes down to the fact that I have a the- theater degree and a theatrical background. Oh, that helps. So those skills I was just putting into a different use than I ever had before, and so that class led to another class, led to private coaching, led to, I think I can do this. Wow. And led to making money within the first year of setting up my studio. No kidding. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Did you, like, get an agent? Is that the kind of thing where you have to, like, get on with an agency or? I do have an agent, but that's not where you start. Uh, that's no, That's another of piece not. of your puzzle. You know, as you're putting together, you know, your marketing plan and how you're going to be successful, that's another piece of it. But it's not... All of it. So you sure. don't need that first. <laughs> you do not need that first. Okay. A- absolutely. So you went through these classes. You went through private coaching. And then, I mean, you said you started making money. How did you get yourself out there? How did people find you for voiceover work? In the beginning, I used some pay-to-play sites. So there are okay. some sites where you have a subscription and you get the auditions. And then you audition for them and get the work. Oh, okay. So that is how a lot of people start initially. 
So once you've done that and tested the waters and get clients, then you continue marketing to those clients. Then you figure out who your clients are going to be. And mm. then, you know, direct marketing is really where everything, where you find the most success. Okay. But I've been an entrepreneur before. So, oh, really? What were you doing? Uh, <laughs> I worked in um, the music industry and I was a tour manager. Oh, wow. So All right. I Another interesting profession. <laughs> yeah. Anyone I'd know? If you're into jazz and world music, okay. you might know some of the people I toured I with. am admittedly weak in that part of my portfolio. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I would I would travel around the globe with different um, musical acts, some theater acts. And nice. I was a company manager and tour manager. And so I would freelance for various companies who hired those type of people. Wow. So I understand what grit is. I understand what marketing is. And hustle. And hustle. And yeah. so that none of that was new to me. Sure. So I think that played a big part in what I do. And my theater background played a huge part in what I do. And I was just learning a different way to apply those two things to a new field. Wow. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And I remember I worked in college radio, and so bands would come through. And I always wondered, I'm like, how does one become a tour manager? And it seems like really glamorous from the outside working oh, in. Oh, yeah. And it's ditch digging, right? I mean, it is. It's a grind. It is. I think it's one of the hardest things I've ever done and the most rewarding, too. Sure. There was, well, those two things usually go together. They usually do. It was really fun to be a part of another group's artistic journey. Sure. And getting them to. When curtain went up, there was no feeling in, when I had that job, like when the curtain went up and the band was on stage and they got to do their thing. Yeah. I made sure that they got there. The hotel had rooms for, for us sure. on time and they got paid and all those types of things. But Well, it's not dissimilar from what I did when I was in my corporate gig and I was in public relations. And I mean, that was sort of a, they viewed it as a cost center in this company, right? But what we did was we tried to go out where we were starting a new project, and I had someone put it to me this way. You're a highway builder. Essentially, what you're doing is you're laying a road so as smooth as possible so that the people who come in are doing the work that people are paying for have it as easy as possible. That's what you're trying mm -hmm. to do for an act, for a band. You, you mentioned the hotel. You mentioned the venue. You mentioned getting all the sort of T's crossed and the I's dotted so they can come in and just play. Yes. And deliver what people want to see. Yes. So they're not dealing with all the logistical nonsense, right? Right. And in some ways, voiceover, you know, and working for clients is the same thing. Whether it's um, a commercial or it's an e-learning course. Now, if you right. don't know what e-learning course is, it's, I say it's click next to continue. <laughs> <laughs> now you know exactly what an e-learning course is and you've probably done one. Uh, plenty, yeah. So... You're just trying to make it easy for the client, sure. you know, deliver what they want with as few bumps or hiccups as possible so that the end user, the end listener has a great experience and doesn't get bored during an e-learning course or is interested in the product if it's a commercial right. or, or isn't uh, distracted, uh, right. unnecessarily distracted. Because when I talked to Reed about being the PA announcer, he said, people only notice you when you mess up. And so he's like, people aren't going there for the game. They're, or they're not going there to listen to the PA announcer. They'll mm -hmm. notice it. It's part of the overall game experience. But they only really notice you when you mess up. So uh, it's it behooves you to be accurate and concise and entertaining, which I don't think people understand how much vocal inflection and pacing and rhythm actually play into that. Uh, are those things that you learned through your classes or through your private coaching how does that sort of process unfold, how you use your voice to convey different things? So, yes, any, any type of class or coaching should go over your tone, like right. how you, you know, with the piece that you're working on, what tone are you using? What attitude are you bringing to it? Are you bringing two conflicting attitudes to make it super interesting? Mm. Um, two conflicting attitudes. Can yes. you build on that? Absolutely. Can you be snarky yet sweet? <laughs> so how do you do that? And when you take two things that contrast with each other and put them together, like for a character or for a piece, it makes it really interesting. And you don't know what the person did. Mm. You don't know what the acting choices were, but you hear it and sure. you're interested. So that's, you know, pacing, slowing down, speeding up, using different inflection, not using the same inflection every time, oh, right. which will put someone to sleep. Those are all techniques you learn, but... 
as you grow through that, at the end of the day, it's really about connecting to the piece and being, as an actor, being 100% present with whatever script you're given and being committed to, if it's a character, what they want Mm -hmm. and driving it that way. If it's an educational piece, being committed to what you're trying to teach someone and just being very, very present in the in the moment with the exact word that you're saying at the time. Yeah, that makes good sense to me. I did drama camp twice, and we had one of our instructors was like this really over-the-top theater guy. And he used to just almost shout at us on a daily basis, commit to the moment. <laughs> and we're like 14. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, okay, like I'm doing my best here. Like I, I'm trying to get out of my own way. Yes. And, and yeah. it's it's hard because you're trying to embody a persona, whatever it is, that is you, but also not you. You've you've hit on something really good. So it's these words that might not really lend themselves to being conversational or right. being something, but you have to make a hundred percent commitment to to being the person who would actually say that, you know, and making it come alive. Right. And it is it is a hundred percent commitment. Oh yeah. No, you you have to buy in fully. To whatever you're reading, because if if people don't, whether they know it or not, people will recognize that, and they go, "Oh, this person doesn't care." Absolutely, and it comes through in your voice. Oh I yeah, mean, so many things come through in your voice. Like, how many times have you picked up the phone and talked to a friend, and immediately you can tell they don't feel good, <laughs> yeah. and it comes through in your voice. So that commitment also comes through in your voice. Yeah, I, I've told people on this show sometimes when I'm recording like the intro or outro. It'll be late at night or it's like one of the last things I have to do on this show. And I go, I really don't want to do this because I've just spent a bunch of time with it. And, you know, we've done the interview. The interview is always the fun part. The edit is fun to whatever extent. I suspect this one will be very easy (laughs) given that I'm working with a professional. But then it comes time to sell the show. And that's going to be the first thing people hear. And I always remember that. So I have to get up. You got to get yourself up for it because it's like if I'm not excited about this, or if if I'm not in this show, if I can't put myself in this moment, no, I can't expect anyone else to be. Well, I have an excited stance I use because I've done oh, some really? podcast intros. Yeah. An yeah. excited stance. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's that like? Well, I stand in my booth because yeah. so, I need to express myself and that my hands are always moving. <laughs> what people don't see in what voiceover. What people don't <laughs> see in voiceover. It is acting and you're always moving. <laughs> Um, but I have this stance kind of, kind of crouchy, crouchy okay. and my eyes are super, super wide. And I'm like, like, like this. And then I read like, what's your, what's your intro line? Uh, so it, it goes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of all trades podcast. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of all trades podcast. I mean, that's over the top. Yeah. But that was spectacular. <laughs> and it's true. Your eyes got really big and it was like, you were almost a little bit feral about it, which was really cool. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's into it. The way I usually do it is I have to walk. So if you if you hear me doing the intro, or when you hear me doing the intro, I'm usually walking because my show has sort of a, you know, it, it's not the, the greatest sound quality that there is, but there's an energy to it that I can get out while I'm walking. And, you, I mean, you see my hands going right now. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm thinking about doing this, I'm like talking about my guests and I'm gesticulating. I feel like I'm conducting a symphony. Yeah. And if there's there's a time when I'm tired before I go into the booth, I have a fun little tongue twister that I do that kind of gets me amped up to get back in there and do it again. You know, if you're ever... All right, let's hear it. (laughs) All I want is a proper cup of coffee made from a proper cup of coffee pot. I might be off my tot, but I want a cup of coffee from a proper coffee pot. Tin coffee pots. Iron coffee pots, they are no good for me. If I can't have a proper cup of coffee from a proper cup of coffee pot, I'll have a cup of tea. Wow. Aren't you happy? Like, that's just such a fun little happy, rhythmic thing. Like, now I'm ready to go. That, <laughs> that was like a main line of joy. <laughs> I mean, what, what else can I say? Because it's silly, it's rhythmic, it's, you know, it's another tongue twister, it's really fun. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And I got to watch you do that, <laughs> which was also a delight. Uh, have you ever done that for people? No. Never? No. Wow, fantastic. That's why voiceover is so awesome because no one sees the weird things you make. Okay, so I had lunch with an author who we were talking about doing her book. And now we, I was very fortunate. Sometimes I do work with local authors. And so it's really fun to meet them and talk through the characters and make sure that I have a good understanding of the character 
and their wants, like if there's any questions, I can say, well, what's really driving this person? Why are they being the villain? Right. You know, and we can talk through it if it's not apparent in the book. So we were talking about one of the villains in this book. And I was like, oh. And then I just, I said something in her voice. And the author was like, your face actually looks like what I had in my head. I was like, you're not supposed to see that. (laughs) I look like I just eat a lemon when I'm hurt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and that's just kind of how I get into her character because that's how I envision who she is. Yeah. You know, voice acting is actually very, very physical, not just for your vocal cords. Sure. But, you know, in, in audiobooks, when you are that character, you become that character and you look like that character. And I'm so glad people don't see me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's ridiculous, right? It's really ridiculous. You're, you're by yourself. Sometimes I'm doing that with the mm-hmm. podcast and I'll just be by myself and I'm like, why? If the FBI – has cameras in my house or the CIA or whoever, and they see me acting out while I'm doing this podcast, I am – and I've stolen this bit from Pat Oswald, but I am their Christmas party entertainment every year, right? Oh, Same yeah. Deal <laughs> it's like what are these crazy people doing as they're just talking? And I think you know, I've done stage acting. I've done on-camera work. I've done improv. Out of all the different forms of acting, voice acting is my absolute favorite, hands yeah. down. There's some type of freedom that comes because nobody can see you. Yeah. I mean, it's hugely freeing as an artist because you can do anything, and the only thing resonating is your voice. But the flip side of that is the only thing resonating in it with people is your voice. So you really have to make those connections and make those choices to make it work and come through you know what the what you want to have come through come through well there's a lot of stakes to it i mean it's mm-hmm. it's a high wire act because it's just your voice and people are painting the picture with their minds and you are giving them almost the materials with which to paint yes and so yeah. that's i mean that's a very high stakes proposition yeah but it's so fun oh yeah it's so fun to hear other people do it well too i mean it, we're huge audiobook listeners in my family there we <laughs> we have one always going in the car. Okay, I get so it. one reason I got into audiobooks was to keep my girls from fighting. <laughs> so when I, I figured out when I played an audiobook in the car, they didn't fight and they were into the story and we'd get out of the car for whatever errand and they'd still talk about the story. I'm like, this is awesome. Nice. And now we always have one audiobook going in the car with one lined up to take its place. Then my girls discovered playaways. So so those are a little tiny compact system that the book con- comes on. And so they have their own headphones at home. They plug it into the playaway. So then if they have to do their chores around the house, they're listening to a playaway. So we have multiple audiobooks going in the house at the same time. And I have my you know personal list on Audible too. Do you ever get burned out on that though? Because people ask me, I went through a phase where I didn't hardly listen to any other podcasts because the last thing I wanted to do was after spending all my time with huge chunks of audio, the last thing I wanted to do was spend more time like that I'm choosing to spend with that. Does that ever burn you out? No. The only thing that does kind of burn me out is reading on a screen. Okay. Because I have a screen in my studio and I read all day. So when I pick up a book for pleasure, it's a paper book. Sure. But I never get tired of listening to other narrators. Okay. So that brings me to something that's interesting from a technical standpoint. You're looking at a screen all day and you're reading. Do you have – does it work sort of like a teleprompter? Like do you have like a foot pedal that you do or like how do you actually practically create the voiceover work that you do? So in my booth, I have a screen and I have a wireless mouse. Okay. And so I just – it's noiseless for me to scroll up on the page. Okay, good. And so that's the way I do it. Other people use an iPad. A lot of voiceover artists use an iPad. Sure. Um, But I'm very fortunate – my husband's in an audio en- engineer and owns an audio visual company, so he oh, wow. set me up with the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you got top of the line stuff. Yeah. Yet another reason to hire you. Am I right? <laughs> yes. You're like, you don't have to worry about the technical side with me. I yeah. got it dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> and I found out, you know, I was talking to another audio engineer a little while ago at a networking event and we were totally talking about the software that we edit on and hmm. I'm a real I'm a real audio geek. I'm a real audio geek. I love it. You know. <laughs> well, I'd expect nothing less. You know, I, that's what you would hope, not someone who is just sort of – and I can't imagine in this line of work you have your craven profiteers, but people who are sort of doing the work through gritted teeth like, oh, I've got to read another audio book. But it's more like, you know, hey, you love it. I'd expect you to geek out about it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, give me an example. How do you geek out over audio then? 
Okay. Like the technical side. <laughs> so our conversation was about RX, mm. which is – it's not the software that you record in. It's a software where you can edit out airplanes, things like that. Oh, if right. they do end up affecting your audio – but there are also different things you can do to make sure that mouth noise doesn't come through and, you know, leveling sound. And we were just – I met another sound engineer and we were just, hey, have you tried this and that and what setting do you use? <laughs> and he looked at me. He's like, you are such a geek. And I'm like, so are you. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> we, were, we already were friends. But it was funny that we were talking so intently about yeah. what you can do, the different versions of it. You know, what do you use? This is what I use, you know. Yeah, it's interesting to me when I'm recording audio, especially from other people who are not necessarily used to this, and you're taking out things like inhales, depending mm -hmm. on what the sort of milieu is, and you have to get the timeline. Like, people will watch you do this, and they go, what are you doing? As you're shrinking it, you know, and, and you're getting, whereas when I'm editing this show, I've got about 20 seconds or so of audio that I'm looking at, just I want to make sure it flows correctly. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing something that's much tighter, you have to shrink it down where you may have one second on screen and you're taking out just someone's like taking a breath in. And people watch you do that. You go, how do you do that so fast? Practice. I mean, it's just like anything else. And I'm sure if I watched you do what you do, I'd be amazed by it, which is why I do this show anyway. Mm -hmm. So, What is it, 10,000 hours you need yeah, to become the an Gladwell thing? something? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I am approaching that with audio editing. But uh, I don't think I'm quite there yet, so I, I have plenty to learn. How much audio can you crank out in a day? Well, is that record? It's, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now, now, now come the qualifiers. Is that recorded only? Is that recorded, proofed, edited, and mastered? Mm. So, like, what version are you talking about? That sure. or how long I'm in a booth at one time? Or how about that? Different? Let's start with that. How much can are you in a booth at one time before you go? Okay, no, I'm starting to experience some diminishing returns here in terms of my voice or my effort or my exhaustion level or whatever? I can do comfortably two hours. Okay. So I might do two sessions of two hours. Sure. So Yeah, and then you got to step away from it and do something else, yeah. right? And then anytime, like if it's a long piece in between chapters or paragraphs or, or whatever, I can step out, take a little break, whatever I need to do, refresh my tea, sure. and then come back in so that I make sure that I'm equally connected because right. once you start, like, you know, making mistakes on easy sentences, right. that's a dead giveaway that you're not as connected as you could be. Time to take a break. You never should be in the booth. You never should be recording if you're not connected. Yeah. And so if you're not feeling well, if you're, you know, if you're <laughs> not fully present, take a break. Get out. Go for a walk. Whatever you need to do to come back in and have it be fresh again. I think that's one of the hardest things about being a professional creative. There are times where... You, you just don't really have it. And there are times where you can sort of force the issue and you can get through it. It's not going to be as good, but I've learned that I have to accept that I don't really have it today. I'm going to come back and do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Do you have that problem? Well, it all depends on the deadline. Uh, <laughs> so de if deadline. I don't have it today and my deadline says I'm in the booth, I'm in the booth and I have to find it. No, I'll give you that. But mm -hmm. if you have some runway, you know. Yeah, then just come back a different time. Right. And, you know, you eventually find your rhythm and what time of day works for you the best. Oh, sure. You know. I what know about my, you? I know my prime time, 10 to 12, love recording from 10 to 12. Okay. We'll record more than that, obviously, in a day. Sure. But, but that's the ideal time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So in terms of when you do audiobooks, how long are these books usually? Uh, usually 8 to 10 hours. Okay. No, but I mean like how I many mean, That's the finished book. Okay. Jeez. Okay. And so how many pages are they like in the printed? A couple hundred. Okay. And so eight to 10 hours in terms of listening to it, how long does that take you to like from start to finish, tip to tail, eight to 10 hours of audio? How long? Okay. So I'll just give you a range. The um, six to 10 hours of time per finished hour of audiobook. Oh my. Okay. So the things that go into it, First, you read the book. I'm going to just talk fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so you read the book. You write down all the characters in the book. You write down what the other characters say about the character. So does the character, you know, are they five foot eight? Do they have scruffy hair? Right. Um, I've had 
writers say that she, she had a voice like cellophane. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's snarky or, you know, whatever they're saying about the characters. Right. And what other, other characters say about the characters. So then you have this nice bird's eye view of all of the characters by the time you've read through the book. So, so you're does, mapping it out. And it takes time to, to write all that down. So I have all of that down and then I cast the characters. Okay. So go on to, is there an actor that just, I've done a Christine Baranski character. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, as soon as I read through the, I was like, that's her. Yeah. You know, and, and just casting anybody, like just as long as they look like what I'm having in my head. Sometimes authors will do Pinterest boards of what they look, cause they're, some authors mm-hmm. are visual too. And so I'll ask them, do you have anything that you refer to for this character so we can have the same starting point? If not, then I cast all of the characters. Right. And once I've cast them, you know, was there anything said about their voice? Is it deep? Is this person deep? Is this person raspy? Is, is this it person nasally? soft, nasal, whatever it is? Then, you know, I have some type of idea of what I'm going to do, but my process is just to go in there and do it and see what comes out. Yeah. Sometimes that works, sometimes that didn't work, and I have to push that aside and, and try something different. Also, it depends on how many characters you have. I did a book where I had like what felt like 20 Mexican bad guys. Okay, oh my. how do I make them different? You know, I had to cast them as different people yeah, and, to and make as, sure their voice sounded different. As people are listening, it's like, okay, that's, you know, that's character A talking, not character B. So you can't just do sort of this generic Mexican character, right? Yes, there are different views of audiobooks. Some of the some great narrators go with an intention hmm. and their character voices aren't, you know, very, very diverse, but the way that they do it, it totally works. Sure, yeah. Some really go a little bit wider on character voices. So it just depends on who you are and how you do it. Where do you fall on that? I try and make them a little bit more diverse. Okay. Is that challenging? I mean, have you worked with like a dialect coach? And, like, learned different types of accents and regions and things like that? I took phonetics in college. I have a communications major. Oh, cool. Me too. Where'd you get it? Taylor University. Okay. So I'll go through and find out the major vowel consonant changes. Mm. And then I'll go to YouTube and listen, 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 listen. I'll get – sometimes I get a key phrase – that will lead me into the character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once I say that phrase, I've totally got mm-hmm. the character, and I'll, I'll go into it that way. Sometimes I did my best to mirror Cheech Martin. Cheech Marin? Cheech, sorry, Cheech <laughs> Marin, for one. And so I l- would listen to Cheech, pause him, record the lines of the character you know, as best I could, because that was the only way I could get his tempo and rhythm yeah. was to listen to him and, you know, so different techniques will, oh, will get me there. That makes sense. And Cheech Marin has a very distinctive way of talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in Cheech and Chong, but everything he does. Everything he does. I, I often go for interviews of the actor. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll go there instead of a movie, you know, to get what, what do they really sound like not in character. Daryl you know? Hammond used to say that he would do that too. And he said, if I could find a video of someone when they're drunk, like, or if they've had a couple of cocktails – their real voice tends to come out, and I find the hook much easier. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was talking about uh, when he was doing Ted Koppel, and it was um, when there was some Michael Jackson story, and he said uh, there was a – I think it was like a New York Daily News or New York Post, whichever one does the snarky headlines. It said Jacko on his backhoe, and he said that helped him get into Ted Koppel. He'd go, Jacko on his backhoe. And he's like, then I'm there, and I've got it. And that's so funny because uh, – until you said that, I hadn't really remembered that. And there are many different ways to go in. I mean, that's one way if I'm doing an accent. A lot of my characters have different poses. You know, I'll have different oh, sure. posture in the different characters, and that leads me in. So it could be a, a line, a posture. It can be a lot of different – there are a lot of different ways to get into a character. I think people underestimate how much of voice acting is acting. Yes! <laughs> Thank you for that lovely lead-in. Yes, and I do have people sometimes ask me about voice acting. Oh, me and, too. And so my my response is, do you have an acting background? This is an acting job. Now, a lot of people think, you know, oh, I've been told I have a nice voice. <laughs> Wonderful. Your voice is maybe 3 to 5% of this work. Uh-huh. 
acting is a huge part, maybe 70% of the work. Even if you're doing nonfiction, if you're doing an e-learning course, a commercial, it is a huge – because you're always making choices. Right. Even in a nonfiction book, you're making choices of why the author is saying what they're saying and what tones you're going to bring to it and what attitudes you're going to bring to it. Entrepreneurial skills. Huge part of this business. I mean, you oh, yeah. you have to want this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to weed out the non-believers pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Because, and here's the other thing. Even if you're reading, like, even if you want to just do, like, strict voiceover, if you're reading the farm report in the morning, right? If you're just reading the crop report, you are still affecting a persona. And when you are reading something into a microphone that other people are hearing, there's going to be a persona that comes across and you can't just get up there and read it. Like, and the the hardest part of this entire, to me, the hardest part of this entire career was learning how to read something without it sounding like you're reading it. Yeah, no kidding, right? That is like this elusive beast when you start because yeah. you always sound like you're reading. So how do you <laughs> not sound like you're reading? How do you not sound like you're reading, but you're reading and yeah. you're reading words that aren't natural to your own vocabulary. Mm. How do you do that? Yeah, how do you bring life to someone else's vernacular, vocabulary, style, cadence, uh, sentence structure? Because I've been told I have a very unusual way of talking, and that comes across. We recently did the 48-hour film project, and so I wrote uh, that. I was me and my writing partner came up with the script, and I wasn't there the next day because I obviously have these young kids. And they said, I wished you were there. My director told me this. I wished you were there because when you were reading it in the writer's room, you had a very particular way of delivering the lines and the actors who weren't there didn't see that. So I'm like, God, I wish I could remember the way that John read that. And so you're right. The fact that you are having to do this probably, I mean, you said you meet with authors, but somewhat in the dark, you know, mm-hmm. this is something of an interpretation as well. It is. And there's, there's with books, there's this, I explained to authors, they're handing over their artistic control. Yeah. And I'll do my best to, bring your intention to fruition with your what your vision is. But at some point, you have to hand it over to me because I'm another artist and I'm not you. Yeah. I will do my best to honor your intentions and honor your writing. I mean, I love literature, love the English language. I will do my best to, to honor what you put forth into the world. But at some point, one of the characters I voice is not going to be what was in your head. <laughs> and you have yeah. to give me the artistic freedom to express as much as I can what you have. And it, it is an interesting thing because it is two different artists coming together to make an audiobook, the author and the and the voiceover artist. Yeah, well, in that regard, it's almost like the book is written twice. I mean, multiple times once it gets to the final version. And then once it's given to you, it's a slightly different version. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the old cliche about how every movie is written three times. Mm-hmm. Once when it's written, once when it's shot, and then once when it's edited. Compared from where you start with a script to the final product, it's going to be different. And so have you ever had authors get upset with the final product in terms of what you've delivered? No, um, but I've been very careful and, and you got to walk them along, right? want to talk with them up front, you know, can, and, and once we're starting to share information on characters, then I think they really get the sense that I do want to, to be inspired from the same place that they're inspired so that our visions right. are as closely aligned as possible. And I also do some work up front to make sure they've heard all of their major characters. So like three to five of the protagonists, or, you know, the villain, that they've heard them. So there are no big surprises. If a right. minor character doesn't sound like what's in their head, they're more apt to accept that than yeah, a major okay. one. So I, I, I make sure up front I'm giving them as much as possible that they feel comfortable handing the artistic license off to me once they've heard those characters. Well, you touched on something else that is an important part of this career which obviously you have to have voice talent. You know, you have to cultivate your instrument and the way in which you practice your craft. There's the hustle side. There's the entrepreneur side where you're going out and getting business and you're marketing yourself. And I mean, that's its own sort of thing too. The third component of this is client service. And that is true of virtually every profession that you are in. And so understanding client service, setting expectations up front so that when you get to the end product, there are no surprises. That's what I operate on on my business, and I'm in public relations. You set proper expectations with your client. That way no one's upset when you're over, mm-hmm. and that's great. And I, again, I think that's underrated. People, <laughs> The thing that I found on this show is I'll talk to people about like why we're here, right? 
you're here because you're a voiceover artist. But we end up talking about all the other things, all the other sort of related but also unrelated skill sets that you have in order to be successful. And it comes down to all this stuff that you're not necessarily trained to do, but you have to learn along the way. Right. And and I think voiceover is this hodgepodge of different skill sets. You know, as you said, there's the acting part and learning things that are essential to voiceovers, so like vocal technique, mm-hmm. you know, warm-ups and cool-downs and, and how you deal with different types of words. Sure. <laughs> the entrepreneurial skills and the audio editing. So, oh, yeah. I mean, then there's, yeah, there's that voiceover, side. like acting is really right brain. It's very freeing. It's very... You know, definitely very right brain. Audio editing is extreme left brain. Oh, God, you know? yes. And so it amazes me that people succeed in this industry because you have to be right brain, left brain. And I'm actually – I was tested once and I'm right in the middle <laughs> You know, because I can access both very easily. But you have to be able to do both of those things and you have to be good at both of those things, especially starting out in the industry when everyone's doing their own audio editing. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great point because for me, yeah, it's just not about – it's not just about hosting. It's about booking guests. It's scheduling. It's very sort of this anal retentive stuff like because once you start doing a show, it's a monster that eats and never gets full. So I'm thinking about the show that I'm doing, but as soon as that's over, it's like, okay, what's next? And you got to keep the wheel turning in that regard. And then I never thought of the the audio editing part as extreme left brain, but it is. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have any OCD, it'll totally kick it. (laughs) I got to get that thing out. I got to get that. (laughs) You know, it has to sound perfect. I have this one podcast I'm producing. Like, I I don't do any voice work on it. I'm just being the technical producer on it, which is kind of a joy. It's kind of freeing because I don't have to worry about that whole other side of my brain. But I wanted to use the front part of this audio track, and it was like music, and then the back part. And so I needed to find the spot in the middle where I could marry it up and no one would see the seam. Took me hours, and I was sitting there. And it it was (laughs) – you're right. The OCD kicked in because I'm like, okay, that's like 98% of the way there. And I walked away from it. I'm like, I think that's probably good enough. It wasn't good enough. No, I came back. I fixed it. And God, like once I got it, it was both freeing and I was kind of angry. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it's like no one's going to know this except me. But the fact that I know this will drive me insane to my grave. Right. You know, and I've turned into a good studio editor. You know, and my husband who does more things live will come down and he'll see the screens up. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. And I'll change it. And he'll like, I didn't hear a difference. I'm like, you didn't hear that? Oh my gosh, I could not live if I turn, you know, put out audio that had that in it, you know. Yeah. One of the things I remember reading about Seth MacFarlane who has created, you know, Family Guy and American Dad and all these other shows is and he does most of the voice work on these shows. He's got an incredible voice. And it's a lot of his range is crazy. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. And one of the things he said was you know, I'm on the go. I'm going between all these different shows and I'm producing them and I have I have a lot of irons in the fire and everyone freaks out when I have a cold. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're we are nuts. We this is our neuroses for mm. voiceover artists. You do a cold can take me out of the booth for a month. Ugh. And it's not that I'll be sick for a month, I won't be in bed for a month. I could be like not feeling good for three days. Your voice is the absolute last thing to come back. Yeah. And especially if you're doing something that requires a huge range, you're going way up high into your, you know, nasal cavity for a voice or you don't have access to it. No. You physically don't have access to it. And so a lot of the voiceover blogs, I, you know, or groups I belong to are all like, what do you use? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm more of the homeopathic, you know, variety. So I have herbs that I use. Okay. That I rely on, uh, you know, if my, my kids right now are both kind of coffee and I'm like, my next stop after this is a, you know, natural pharmacy uh, <laughs> for <perfect>. more herbs. <laughs> so what works for you? I think Echinacea Golden Seal is just a good everyday immune booster. I have, I like, Framaka local pharmacy has lung and sinus blaster, which I really like. Mm. It's amazing. I use Olbus oil in the studio every day. That's just a, more of a clear oh, – sure, yeah. your sinuses a little bit. I have two herbal teas that I that I use. So you're not doing the old Brent Musburger model of uh, just plenty of uh, Marlboros no. and, <laughs> and uh, Jack Daniels. But we're all afraid of getting a cold. Like in oh, the, yeah. 
In the winter, I always have a scarf on to protect my neck. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around sick people. I won't shake their hands. Like you're, you're a little neurotic about it just because it takes you out of work for so long. Yeah. Yeah. You that'll know, destroy you. It's, it's so, and, and if you have like audiobooks stacked up, it, it's a domino effect mm-hmm. and it can take months to recover. You know, because you have to crank these out, but you have to wait until your voice fully comes back to access some of your character voices. Yeah, because you're not going to listen. Just, you just see this domino effect, and it's horrifying. Like, <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, oh no, no, I, I, I got to meet that deadline. You know? I'm never going to dig out of this. You're never going to dig out. Yeah. Hmm. No, I uh, I know the feeling. You do, but it feels like you're it, never going to. Yeah, it, it feels like a Sisyphean task. When we were at the SEPA thing, people asked, you know, how do you take care of your voice? And... Two big things for me, obviously staying hydrated. Staying hydrated is really, really important, uh, just in general. Um, yes. I mean, water Absolutely. is the essence of life. Uh, there's no other way to say it. But the other thing is a lot of people don't know how to talk from their diaphragm. And so speaking from your diaphragm and going not just from your throat, people will blow out their voice in like 20 minutes if they're not speaking from their diaphragm. And so that's a skill that you have to learn too. And it gives you a lot of power and you can change tempo and cadence and pitch really, really fast if you're speaking from your diaphragm. Yeah. Just having good access to your air. Yes. You know, and using it. Yeah. Understanding where... Understanding how it all works Yeah, is important too and taking just voice classes that let you know, which are all laying on the floor, getting in touch with your breath. But if you don't, <laughs> if you can't get in touch with your breath, you can't do this job. No. And it's so important to know how to do it and what helps you do it and, and getting in touch with that before you get into the booth for sure. I wish I could remember where I saw this, but it was one of those like just pre-roll videos on Facebook, right? You're just scrolling through and someone shared something and the video is already playing. But it's this opera coach who worked with heavy metal singers to teach them how they can scream and how mm-hmm. they can shout without rupturing their vocal cords and destroying their voice. And she would teach them how to do that. And I thought, what a beautiful juxtaposition. This woman uh, doing this thing with this art that we associate as maybe the height of beauty with something that I also love but is on its face sort of ridiculous in heavy metal music. Yeah. But the skills still apply. Yes. And I was asked to do – I had a children's book I was doing. It had a variety of giants in it. Oh. And I was asked to go to an uncomfortable place. So I hired a vocal coach. And I said, okay. He asked me to do something pretty uncomfortable. And this is the sound he was looking for. How can I do that safely? And we worked through the voice until it sounded very close to what he wanted. But it was a very safe thing for me to do. And I wasn't okay. going to hurt myself. You know. And So, I so you provide. say uncomfortable, but like physically uncomfortable? Physically uncomfortable. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't want to hurt myself, and it was a voice I had to maintain for a little while. Oh. And so we we worked on a voice that sounded like what he wanted, but was a, was safe for me. Okay. Are there types of gigs you'll turn down? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, has, has anyone ever come to you and you go, either I don't have that in my skill set, or I'm just not into that. That's not who I am. Yes. I think the the work that you take, if, the more it aligns with you. Sure. The the easier it's going to be to be connected. On the other side of that, you're an actor, so you have to figure out a connection if you're not connecting to the piece. But why beat yourself over the head if right. it's something that you politically don't agree with or religiously don't agree with? Why would you want to take on that work if it doesn't align with you? Sure. Voluntarily. <laughs> you know? Right. So there are two sides of the coin there. But yeah, I have I've turned down work because it just it didn't align with who I was. Oh, interesting. I'm also a brand. That's true. So, what do you come to Sandra Murphy, the Voice Mama, for? And ha- you know, I know I have a sound. You know, right. I'm sophisticated. I'm compelling. I'm warm. You're not going to pick me for hard sales. You're not. I don't sound like that. Right. You know, it's like round peg, square hole. You know, like <laughs> it, or the whichever one it was. It just isn't a fit. Right. There are going to so, be some other people out there that sound much better doing that than I do. You're not going to be doing the Alec Baldwin, Glengarry, Glenn Ross. Always be closing speech, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's uh, that's not firmly in your wheelhouse. No. Yeah. You know, I have to have the capability to do it and try it. Sure. But it's not what you're going to hire me for. Yeah. You're going to hire me to do some medical narration. You're going to hire me to do e-learning courses. You're going to hire me to do books that have some type of compelling drive. That's what you hire me for. Yeah. Well, that that makes great sense to me. Well, I'll tell you what, Sandra. We are about at time. This is the part on the show where how can people hire you? So feel free to do plugs. Uh, anything you want, go ahead. Awesome. Um, just go to, to voicemama.com. That's V-O-I-C-E-M-A-M-A dot com. And take a look. My demos are on there. You, you can contact me through there. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested in voiceover and want some resources, I can, if you send me an email, I can point you in a good direction of places you can go and learn a little bit more. All right. Fantastic. Well, Sandra, thank you for reaching out to me. Thanks for teaching us all a little bit about voice acting. This was enormously fun and extremely educational. So uh, continued success to you. Great. Thank you. And that wraps up episode 191 of the John of All Trades podcast with Sandra Murphy, the voice mama. Thank you for taking some time to explain voiceover artistry and how you do what you do. It's a fascinating line of work. And I'll say it again, acting. Continued success to you. Thank you for being on the show. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Training, content, engagement, and podcasting. Those are the four pillars of my business. So if you're looking to engage in the public, hit me up, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. The John of All Trades podcast is on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. All under the same handle, J-O-A-T pod. Across platforms, that makes it easy for you. New episodes are previewed on Monday, so go to Facebook. That's the only place for exclusive episode previews. I typically feature first jobs. I forgot to ask Sandra this time, but we've got them coming up here in future episodes. Then episodes drop on Wednesdays. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search John of All Trades. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come straight to your listening device. Put them in your ear holes. I'm back here next week with a brand new episode. We are rolling with content. I am flush with guests. That's always a pleasure, especially this time of year when I am busy, busy, busy. So tune in next week for a brand new episode. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak.